As we approach the third and final Yontav of the Shalash Ragalim, the Yontav of Sukkot, I'd like to share with you an incredible idea in Chinech By the Yom of Pesach, Shavuos and Sukkot, the Torah obligates us to pass down the significance of these days to our descendants. By Pesach, the Pasuk says, In order that you relate to your son and grandson the tremendous miracles that took place in Mitzrayim. About Mamad Har Sinai that took place on Shavuos, the Torah says, And you shall make it known to your children and your grandchildren, The day you stood before Hashem at Har Sinai. On Sukkot, the Torah tells us, The reason we dwell in a Sukkot for seven days is, Because, In order that the ensuing generation should know, that Kal Yisrael lived in huts when they were emancipated from Mitzrayim. And the question is, if we are commanded to convey these momentous historical facts to our descendants, why is it only on the Yontav of Sukkot that we are commanded to reenact the miracle of the Yidin sitting in a hut by physically going out and building a Sukkah and sitting in it ourselves? Why don't we do so on Shavuos as well? and reenact the Mamad Har Sinai experience by going to a mountain somewhere and blaring a shoifer and creating some other thunderous sounds. On Pesach, we tell the story of Yitzis Mitzrayim and eat certain foods to commemorate our freedom from Mitzrayim, but there's no physical reenactment of Yitzis Mitzrayim. So why specifically on Sukkot do we take the action of leaving our home and actually building a Sukkah and dwelling in it for seven days? So Chazal explained that the Shalash Ragalim symbolized the three-step process in the development of Hashem's relationship with Kal Yisrael. The courtship began on Pesach. That is when we celebrate the betrothal of Hashem to His bride, the Jewish nation. It was on Pesach when Hashem introduced Himself to us with those exalted words of Anoichi Hashem Elekecha Shetzesicham Eretz Mitzrayim. The second phase of the relationship occurred on Shavuos, when we metaphorically entered into the chuppah phase of our matrimonial relationship with Hashem. The Gemara says in Sech the Shabbos, Kofa alein har Hashem suspended the mountain above our heads, and that served as the canopy, the chuppah. On Sukkot, we consummate our marriage, so to speak, by living together as husband and wife in the confines of Hashem's house, the Sukkah. So the reason Sukkot is singled out for reenactment is because the Torah is teaching us a great pedagogical lesson. The best role models are the ones that lead by example. On Pesach and Shavuos, which signifies the stage in a person's life before marriage, the courtship phase and the chuppah, then verbal messages and similar methods might be sufficient. However, when it comes to Sukkot, symbolizing the stage of marriage and building a family, one has to physically show the way. It's not enough to tell your children about the importance of Torah study or the observance of mitzvahs. Go out and build the Sukkah and dwell in it. Show them how it's done. Demonstrate it to them by physically doing it yourself. So that's why Sukkot is singled out for reenactment. And speaking of being a positive role model, I'd like to share with you an incredible story. A little over 50 years ago, Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Sandy Koufax made an enormous Kiddush Hashem, probably one of the greatest of all time, 
by not pitching in Game 1 of the World Series because it fell on Yom Kippur. Koufax was arguably the greatest left-handed pitcher of all time. He won the Cy Young Award three times in his career, and he became the youngest person ever elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. He was the marquee star, and the whole world eagerly anticipated seeing him in the opening game of the World Series. But even though Koufax was a secular Jew raised in the Jewish neighborhood of Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, and he had played on Yom Kippur in previous years, this time he made the courageous decision to put his religion ahead of his career. That night, instead of getting on a mound in Minnesota in front of millions of people watching from all over the world, instead, he chose to observe the fast and attend Yom Kippur davening in Shul. Even though the Dodgers lost that game, but in Shemayim, he scored an enormous victory. Despite all of his achievements on the field, decades later, Koufax is remembered best for not playing on Yom Kippur, an act which instilled Jewish pride in millions of Americans. A day after Yom Kippur, a rabbi from St. Paul, Minnesota, met up with Koufax in his hotel room, and he told him, What you did last night, putting religion before your career, was truly remarkable. And as a result, many other Jewish people did not go to work and many other Jewish children did not go to school in order to observe Yom Kippur. He then presented him with a pair of film. The rabbi later said, What Kofax did that night might have been the greatest act of dedication to our Jewish values that had ever been done publicly. Fifty years later, it's something that's engraved on every Jew's mind. He said, Unfortunately, more Jews know the name Sandy Koufax than Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. There's actually an interesting postscript to the story. Koufax started the seventh and deciding game, and he pitched the shutout, and the Dodgers won the World Series. In a challenging situation, Koufax's determination to bypass the game showed everyone how to be a positive role model, even in the face of adversity. Koufax led by example. He could have easily found a million excuses to play that night. But he wasn't just talk. By sitting out the game, he displayed unwavering devotion to his faith. And now, we know. Have a wonderful day.